Hey, welcome to the Drink 5 Weekly Fantasy Show. It's uh, Jason and myself, and tonight we're talking about week two and all of that good stuff that's involved. Here we've got you know injuries, news, updates, a whole bunch of stuff about the articles that we have on the website, and uh, some technical difficulties with the music. Clearly. <laughs> we could just sing for you people. That might work. Yeah, that's fantastic, right? But um, if, if it's the first time you've, you've tuned in before, then, then please go ahead and, uh, and, and bookmark us here on Mixler. Um, or visit the website uh, where we have all sorts of articles. And I won't, I won't do too much of, of this self-promotion in the beginning of the show. we got to get into some actual content. Cheers. Cheers. Right over the computers. It's a good spot to cheers. As long as it's over yours and not mine. Mm. So, last week we were talking about um, the games coming up. Uh, all the games in week one, which we saw Thursday, Sunday, and two on Monday. Uh, now we can speak from uh, experience and hindsight. Having saw all of those games... Um, sorry, I'm... I'm going back to work. I'm just thinking about saws right now for some reason. <laughs> I'm sure that was the improper tense of the word to use. Anyway, um, give us your uh, your opinion, just overarching opinion on uh, on how it felt to be watching football again, and uh, and what you're drinking right now. Uh, well, it was definitely great to be you know back watching football. Um, <clears throat> it, it reminded me right away watching Red Zone Channel of how uh, crazy and chaotic playing fantasy football can be because you know essentially I, I had a player in the first like four or five touchdowns that were scored in the, of the week and like it felt like oh this will be great because it's going to happen all season but of course it doesn't it doesn't work that way yeah and you're a red zone watcher um and you know we're we're roommates so we're both red zone watchers and, and there's a very distinct i think difference when you're sitting down and watching that versus watching a full game all the way through or watching uh, multiple screens at the same time uh, I think we both really enjoy the fact that it's almost like it's basically crack for fantasy football players because all you're seeing is the touchdowns and big plays and red zone plays. Oh, it, yeah, it is 100% just like crack for football players. There you or go. football watchers. Yeah, and probably for football players too. <laughs> like, I, would, I would suspect that football players might prefer to just like watch uh, one game at a time. I don't know. Maybe those guys don't have all that much time. So it would be cool to like, just have everything compressed. Well, they get to watch like... Uh, coaches tape on opponents and stuff, which is exactly that. It is just like endless, you know, play, 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 play. Yeah. Which would be great. I'd love to be able to watch some of that stuff without having to pay like a ridiculous premium for it all. Well, you can just, um, well, I suppose you can't do that. But maybe one of these days you'll be uh, you'll be scouting for the NFL or something. Who knows where we'll end up in uh, in several years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm still over here drinking a Coors Light, and we're we're cleaning up after uh, a party that we had, uh, a draft party from a couple weeks ago, I think. And uh, I know you got a couple craft beers over there, but what are you drinking at the moment? Uh, I have an Emmett's World and New World India Pale Ale. I do believe we might have had you may have had one of these on the show last week. I did not, so it still counts for me. So citrus in its sails, anchored with hops. Um, it's tasty. It does have a little weedy, wheaty, wheaty taste to it. Citrus and wheat? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not quite used to the 
like weedier flavor in a IPA. I do prefer uh, a citrusy or more bitter style, but um, I really like this one. I like Emmett's. It's a very local brewery. I mean, isn't it about as local as you could get? It's very local. Just a couple towns over from us, yeah. <laughs> Pretty local. It's in Palatine, Illinois. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's let's dive right in. We have a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, we'd like to uh, give a shout out and a thank you to uh, the writers that we have on staff for drink5.com. And we've had a lot of content on the website in the past couple days. More to come every week. Generally early in the week. We're talking about right now, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. Uh, because I'm assuming that's when people are going to come and read it, right? So that's that's when we're planning on giving it to you. Uh, we've got things like Who Do I Start, uh, Waiver Wire Moves. Uh, there's a new column that we'll touch on later called Statistically uh, Insignificant. And uh, that's that's a fun play on words that Jason writes. And we've got uh, some other columns we're touching on. Injury reports, player profiles, um, and just kind of rants and topics that are, are all over the place for NFL and fantasy football Um uh, likers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, let's talk about the injuries and news kind of all together here uh, with some interesting discussion points because what's the point of just reading the news, right? What's important about the news is where it leads us. So let's talk about Keenan Allen, which is a really sad topic from last week. You know, last year he missed the last eight games of the season because he had a lacerated kidney, which is a terrible injury in and of itself. But this past week, he just tore his ACL in his right knee, which means that he's out for the season. And not only that, but he has just been beaten and bruised for the past couple of years. He's had major injuries to both of his legs now and an internal organ. So it's going to be really hard to, to, to be drafting him you know, come next year. He's a really talented athlete. But if this keeps happening to you over and over again, it's just uh, it's a tough pill to swallow. Right. And um, you know, uh, over on the defensive side, Brian Cushing... Uh, in Houston knows all about that. He has spent a, way too much time on the IR in his career, and he tore his MCL, so he's out for half the year again. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of these things just happen. They're, they're circumstantial, or some of the bodies that are going, they're out there playing are just for whatever reason, you know, built um, not as strongly in certain areas. And that's nothing you can really do anything about, at least until you tear your ACL, and then you can be made bionic. Well, so, I don't know. I, I'm sure that some people have theories on. You know, I can uh, uh, do this kind of training and help avoid these kinds of injuries. Or, you know, a, a different kind of diet might help it. I'm sure people have theories on it. Oh, yeah, but, you know, people are just genetically different as far as musculature and things like no, that. No, Dave, that's not true. Nobody, everyone's a beautiful snowflake, but they're all the same. Everyone's the same, yeah. yes. Genetic differences is a trigger for me, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but seriously, uh, it's impossible to tell for the most part. Um, you're right, though. There's certainly things that we've done over the years that have been able to keep us from breaking or tearing those same those same muscles, those same ligaments. But lately, it seems to happen a lot. So it's almost like we've built ourselves up to the point these these athletes that play this sport and other really intense sports like basketball, etc., to the point where there's not really anything else we can do. It seems other than you could proactively go in and like sort of like build it up artificially or something. But that seems crazy uh, just going in is you know something that you want to avoid at all costs so I, I agree that is a little crazy however um i just you know this is something from the internet so that's how briefly i i perused it uh i think something was going around about how people were um injuring themselves just enough to qualify to the for the paralympics <laughs> 
<laughs> so that they can compete. Well, that's exciting. Like, like, they're only partially disabled, not quite disabled enough. A little disabled. Just a little disabled. Like, you may not notice it on a day-to-day basis. But then they can win the, the, but then, the like, Paralympics. Yeah, they just, like, break their leg a little bit differently, and then they're allowed to do... I don't know. I don't know how it works exactly, but people are willing to do all kinds of crazy shit to win. <laughs> Which, I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about, like, uh, PEDs for, like, a few minutes. What do you get if you win the Paralympics? Do you get like a gold medal that's not quite 100% gold? <laughs> you get a fool's gold medal? There's something wrong with it? You get sterling silver? Yeah. <laughs> Made in China. And you just get copper. There's no bronze. It's just copper. Those bastards. Yeah. Um, so San Diego had a 4-12 and record last year. And I think that this stuff kind of leaks into their whole demeanor. Because last year, I mean, not only did Keenan Allen get injured, but multiple receivers on their team, Stevie Johnson, uh, uh, I, I don't even want to go down the list, but I think three or four of their receivers got injured in a period of six to eight weeks. So is this going to happen again to them? Is there something they're doing? <laughs> I, I think that San Diego is probably going to... Um, Realize that they lost Keenan Allen and they lost the game that they were leading by 21. And um, this may be the the quickest. It could be the quickest that any team sort of like turns it in <laughs> in the season after like losing their best player and losing a game against a division rival that they should beat, that they should win. Um, you know, I hope that they have enough in them for fantasy sake, for competitive football sake, to to keep going. But you know, if they can't get that right, then what are they going to get right this year? Week one, man. That's those pretty strong words. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Danny Woodhead have been done pretty pretty well so far in the backfield. Have done. And second year Tyrell Williams is an interesting guy. He only played, I think he got two receptions last year or something like that. So he's a brand new guy uh, that a lot of people are kind of high on in dynasty leagues and uh, in other leagues where you have really deep benches because he might come in and start contributing. Now, of course, you've also got Travis Benjamin, who they just traded for from the Cleveland Browns in the offseason, and Dontrell Inman, who towards the end of last year was a PPR stud getting six or seven catches a game. So those guys should still perform, uh, and there's going to be a lot of passing yards in that offense because there always is as long as Phillip Rivers is under center. So my question, I guess, is assuming they don't turn it in after this week <laughs> and just explode into a you know a giant forlorn fireball, then what happens with the team? Does Travis Benjamin or Dontrell Inman or Terrell Williams, which one of those guys would you pick up if you had to make a bet? Um, well, I like Travis Benjamin the most. He's probably the most talented receiver on the squad, and he did look good with Rivers in the preseason. So um, I would go with Benjamin, you know, first. Obviously, I think that this is going to increase Danny Woodhead's uh, value and that he's already going to be owned, but you should be starting him most weeks right now. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, especially if they're going to be starting to play from behind and stuff, which they didn't last time, and they still went with Danny Woodhead for the whole second half. So um, maybe they'll realize that if they have a lead, they should be running Melvin Gordon to run out the clock rather than throwing it to Danny Woodhead, who tends to run out of bounds. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a coaching thing rather than a player thing. Uh, You're saying Danny Woodhead gets the ball, he just runs out of bounds. That's like his M.O. No, 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 no. That's not his M.O., but he's much more likely to go out of bounds than, if he gets he, than tackled, Melvin Gordon He is. has like a 30% chance of injuring himself. So. Uh, well, you know, if I was Danny Woodhead, I would just run away from people too. Yeah. And he does a great job at that. Uh, usually it's downfield, which is the right direction. Okay, I'm with you there. So, yeah, I like Travis Benjamin. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, Inman looked okay, but if he was... If he was really that good, he would be doing more than just replacing guys for injury. Well, he's he's sort of a new uh, acquisition, or at least I think only last year he was getting snaps. So 
sort of a new guy on the offense, but you're right. Uh, moving on to Seattle, where we had an issue with Russell Wilson. It was the third quarter of the game, and the Seattle Seahawks were doing pretty well. Uh, Baldwin and Lockett uh, both getting uh, several passes in that game. And then Russell Wilson had his ankle stepped on after a sack play. Um, and it looked pretty bad. I saw it a couple times because, you know, they love to continue to repeat those plays oh, on yeah. TV. And it looks like it's a sprained ankle. We don't know exactly how bad because a lot of these teams don't announce that information. And they don't have to. He's expected to play in week two against the Rams. Uh, and he's never missed a start in five years. So let's say that the odds are he does start. And that makes sense. One, because uh, I don't even know who their backup is there anymore. They used to have Traveris Jackson, but I'm not sure they do anymore. They were looking to sign him this year. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll, I'll check that out real quick. So I doubt that they're starting anybody else. They'll probably start him, even if he's not mobile. But if Russell Wilson's not mobile, then what sort of quarterback is he? Not a very good one, I don't think. Um, I mean, he might be able to do well against an offense or a defense that's not very good. Um, He's going to be playing um, the Rams, and the Rams just got shut out by the 49ers, so that doesn't look very good for, for their outlook this season. Yeah. So perhaps we're we're looking at uh, Russell Wilson just kind of sitting in the pocket, um, handing the ball off a lot to Rawls and Michael. That's kind of what I'm thinking this is going to be schemed as. Um, it could be a bit. So Travone Boykin, a um, undrafted free agent from this year's class, uh, is the backup there. So obviously they probably want to get uh, Travis Jackson in there to you know shore up that backup job. Yeah. Right. So. Um, Wilson has a bum ankle. He was not entirely immobile in the game on Sunday. So yeah, but it was the third quarter, and, and injuries get bad after they do. the fact. I, I'm not expecting him to be running all over the place and dodging sacks and stuff, but if they can have a few designed bootlegs to get him out of the pocket, because he throws really well when he's out of the pocket, when he can have a clearer field in front of him, um, if they can just if he can be mobile enough... To not be running away from someone, but in a design play to get outside the pocket, then I think that he'll be okay. I don't think his production will suffer too much. Uh, he's started to develop a better rapport with the receivers in on his team. So, but part of that is he's because throw the bill, ball better of his scrambling and and the passing offense is is uh, affected positively by by his mobility. So I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're just going to roll over the Rams and just continue to feed the ball to the running. Just backs. run. I mean, if they can beat them, that's how they beat. That's how the 49ers beat the Rams. Well, if they can beat the Rams like fourteen to six or heck fourteen to zero, then the 49ers the, didn't do anything special. Why do they need to throw the ball? Why do they need to roll him out of the pocket? They won't if they don't have to. But I think you're right in that they'll develop those plays for him so that they can if the game starts getting close or if, if they, they need to. If they need and to. the Rams will show better than they did this week um, against Seattle. <laughs> They're going to score a point, I'm sure. All right. And that's better. They could be like the they Detroit Lions. They may not Lions. give up four touchdowns. The Detroit Lions who went 0-16. Oh, man. They moved to L.A. and well, then everybody Well, they didn't go 4-0 in the preseason, at least. <laughs> um, well, all I'm saying is I think Baldwin and Lockett kind of take a little bit of a hit because of the passing offense being so good at the end of last season. And it has to do a lot with his mobility and people fearing him. If they're not going to fear him running out of the pocket, then they're not going to care. And, you know, the one thing that Seattle, or that I was going to say St. Louis, that Los Angeles has Los Angeles. in spades is, you know, good people on the defensive line. So they're going to, you know, they're going to have to run the ball a lot to keep the defensive line honest. Otherwise, the defensive line is just going to crush Russell Wilson all day. Which would be terrible for, for the whole situation, really. <laughs> well, um, ruin everything. 
So we'll see. I think I sort of agree with you. And what we're kind of deciding is that is it probably run more. And if that doesn't work, then they'll have to have those design plays. Yeah. Um, but it still means I think that you're not going to get those big games that we were getting from Baldwin, etc. Um, more dump off passes and, and stuff like that. Uh, Robert Griffin the third, who you have on a dynasty squad, and you probably won't have very much longer. <laughs> Uh, finished the game on Sunday against the no, Eagles. He, yeah, he made his way to the uh, to the IR right quick. Well, and even I mean, do you really think he's going to get another opportunity to start? Every time he does, he's he's terrible. Um, well, injured. because it doesn't cost me anything, he'll stay on the IR for now. <laughs> but you know, once it costs me something, I can't see why I would keep him unless he's you know, projected to be a starter somewhere, which I don't see happening. Well, it's not going to happen this season anyway. He's got a fractured coracoid bone in his left shoulder, and he was placed on the IR by the Browns. He could still come back this season, but a lot of people are saying he'll probably need season-ending surgery, which could send him packing from Cleveland altogether. So we're, we're expecting him, I think, to be cut by the Browns in the offseason. Uh-huh. I think everybody is. They had a chance. They gave him a chance. They gave him a contract, a two-year contract, if I remember correctly. Uh, now they're going back to Josh McCown. So McCown was good last year while he was playing. Uh, in one thing he could definitely affect positively is Gary Barnage. They had a good relationship with each other as far as fantasy production. So do you think that will immediately affect Barnage in a positive manner? And uh, does this change affect the Cleveland Browns' sort of downward-looking trend after week one? Um, the, the Cleveland Browns are one of those, uh, hills that, um, always actually goes down, but maybe looks up. There's a, there's such a thing in nature where like, it's just kind of an optical illusion. You're on a hill where things will roll down it, but it looks like they're going up. And that's what the Cleveland Browns are. Everyone thinks, oh, the Cleveland Browns have improved. They're going to get this. They're going to get Josh Gordon back later. They've got a new quarterback. You know, they certainly will be able to improve for now. But they're always just going to keep going downhill. <laughs> so um, it, I don't think that they lose a whole lot moving from Robert Griffin to Josh McCown. I do think that that'll help Gary Barnage. But I don't know that they're going to win games yet. I think it'll help their fantasy production. And that's what we care about. Um, so I, I do like Gary Barnage here. People who took a flyer on Gary Barnage because he was very cheap. You know, They're going to probably get paid off nicely. Because McCown, we know, liked throwing the ball to Barnage. Um, after that, I mean, who's he going to throw it to? Terrell Pryor? That was sort of Robert Griffin's thing. I don't know that... Uh, I, hopefully, you know, for the sake of the team getting better, they're going to figure out how to get Corey Coleman involved because he's a first-round wide receiver. You know, he's somebody who should be an impact player right away. That's the way that it happens nowadays. Okay, so what are you saying here? I still didn't really get anything out of that as far as information. Tell me. I, I, I don't think that they're going to drop off too much because... Of McCown, I think that you know they were already sort of you know still sliding down a little bit, but fantasy like in terms of winning games, fantasy wise, I think that they're going to be closer, but I still don't think they're going to win a lot of games. Closer to what? Closer to what we want uh, in terms of like um, being startable, and, and a lot of the guys are just going to be on the wrong side of that. So you're un- you're unwilling to give them a uh, a. Uh... Um, like a pat on the back or, or, or boost because of the changes that have happened. Uh, that's fine. I, I don't think that they'll be any any better. I agree. I think the Browns are a bad team. They're going to continue to be a bad team. But uh, there are some instances where perhaps one person or two people on the team could be fantasy startables. That's what you're saying? Correct. 
Yeah. So too bad. I mean, a lot of people thought that this year, for example, they were going to turn around their bad fortunes, and that's that's really what I wanted to touch on. Is that I guess that's that, what I'm saying. It, it always looks like they're about to turn around, but really it's just going downhill. Yeah. Well, that's too bad, man. <laughs> you see water rolling uphill. That's the Cleveland Browns. I'm not sure about the rolling uphill water thing. I'm gonna have to check that out. I'll, I'll show it to you after the show. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, Mohamed Sanu and Julio Jones both reportedly tweaked their ankles on Sunday. Um, and Jones looks to be okay. I've been looking at the news there, and it looks like he just you know rolled it or whatever. That's happened to him all the time. Obviously, if you're a receiver who's doing lots of uh, cuts back and forth and uh, you know being in general pretty active on the field, that kind of stuff is going to occur. But uh, Sanu apparently was heavily limping around the locker room. It sounds like there's something else going on there, which is too bad because he was doing pretty well uh, on the team before uh, he had that that little bit of an injury. Yeah, he put in a good game. I actually had him in my top 30 wide receivers this week, Um, but that was before I I, I didn't know about the, the ankle thing. I didn't know that it was still, you know, bothering him that it's an issue. Well, it so happened, we'll, we'll know more about it tomorrow. It happened during the game. I, I understand that, but... Oh, you're you know, saying you were just ranking people. I was just ranking people. Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to tell you to take Sanu and I put him down. <laughs> so I kind of give my first impression, and then on Wednesday, when the first injury uh, reports come out, then you can kind of adjust everything. Sure. Um, so if he's unable to play, there should be more targets. Uh, Justin Hardy and Jacob Tammy will probably not be the beneficiary of those targets. Those guys are just not fantasy relevant i don't see them being fantasy relevant what that does mean is probably more work for julio if that's even possible and more work for tevin coleman who's been sucking a lot of receptions up from devonta freeman so those owners of devonta freeman are going out and looking at tevin or trying to figure out what to do because he hasn't done well in week one now like we said before just because someone doesn't do well in week one doesn't mean that it's a trend uh trends are multiple games and we see where that arrow is pointed. But it doesn't look very promising for people that drafted him as their RB1 because they're branching out and trying to get the other people involved on the team. Sure. I mean, they they wanted to use Tevin Coleman a lot last year, and he was injured most of the year. And then at the end of the year, when they tried getting him involved, he kept fumbling the ball. So this year, you know, it started out much better for Coleman. He had a great game, and uh, he's been more productive than... uh, than uh, Freeman. However, I do see Freeman keeping the goal line carries for the most part um, and getting at least half of the carries, you know, just in general for right now. So he's still going to be in the low RB2 category. A couple of touchdowns will, uh, you know, make you a very happy fantasy person. Uh, Could you pick up the Macklin news for me? So Jeremy Macklin had a helmet-to-helmet hit. Um, However, he did pass all the concussion tests. He's supposed to be ready to go for week number two. Um, I think he was he had issues with concussions. Was it last year in the playoffs or leading into the playoffs last year? Yeah, we've seen and him missed before, a couple games. Sure. So you know, always a scary thing when like guys are getting hit like that. Um, uh, just as an aside, do you think that there was a few too many helmet to helmet hits last week? Uh, do you think that you know they weren't policing them enough that the the refs may not have been up to speed just like the rest of the players? Uh, are you referring they made specifically a big deal to out Thursday of it, and Cam no, Thursday night? Yeah. It was pretty obvious. I think that Cam got a couple of hits that should have been called, but a lot of those, you know, Cam is, is, he has to understand it's going to happen because he moves out of the pocket. And he sticks his head down and he 
drives at people. Yeah, you can't just do that. You, you can have all the protection you want as a quarterback, but as soon as you start stepping out of that little circle, uh, that's going to happen to you. Yeah. Uh, that said, he had a couple hits where I feel like the, the refs should have been protecting him a little more or calling something. And the one that he went down and supposedly got a concussion from or you know, an alleged concussion, um, he... Uh, he didn't look like he was out of the pocket, which means that he should have gotten that penalty called. Uh, I know that there was one. There was a penalty called on one of them. It was the same one that he had an intentional grounding. They didn't even throw a flag on the one where he fell to the ground. Right. There was another one that definitely should have been called and was not. Um, so back to the uh, Kansas City game. Um, that was a great comeback. Alex Smith looked looked very good. I mean, you never think that Alex Smith is going to be the guy to lead his team back from 21 down. Maybe it takes playing a team like San Diego and... Yes, if you're a San Diego Charger fan, I realize you probably don't like me anymore because all I've been doing is crapping on your team all night. But hey, at least you're not a Browns fan. <laughs> um, so Alex Smith had, what, three touchdowns, 300 yards? Like, you're not going to see that again from Alex Smith this year, in my opinion. Yeah, plus. And he probably came out and played his best game he'll have all season. And th- it's unlikely that they're, that they're going to find themselves down by 21 points again. Their defense is good. Their defense held, you know, San Diego in the second half very well. So I... I you know, I, I don't see the need for Alex Smith to put up as many points as he did today. Yeah, usually true. Um, and uh, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, too, with Jamal Charles and that related news. Um, for those people that just joined in, again, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, it is the Weekly Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast, and we have some people here from Twitter um, and uh, some people that I know, actually, that are in a couple of our leagues. So I always try to... Uh, uh, I'm sorry I didn't hear that. What was that? Fuck is that? <laughs> I always try to uh, to keep myself honest and, and straight, regardless of whether or not people are are listening, um, because that's the only way to be, right? Uh, we're talking about injuries and updates right now, and we're going to touch on waiver wire picks, and then we'd also like if anybody has any questions about lineups, etc., for you to just throw them out there. I've got a couple that came in on Twitter. Uh, if anybody has any more, then just go ahead and message us on Facebook or Twitter uh, at Drink5 and Drink5 Network on Facebook. Let us know if you have lineup questions, or if you're in the chat room, then just talk to us right here. Okay, uh, CJ Spiller was officially released by the New Orleans Saints today, and after talking him up a little bit in the preseason, they, uh, well, a lot of people said they were, they were trying to trade him, and that makes sense. It, it looked like they were trying to trade him. Yeah, he's, he's gone, okay? So... Traveris Cadet and Tim Hightower should continue to get a couple of touches per game. In Hightower's case, uh, he might even rotate in for a series or two. But honestly, it's really just Ingram. Uh, Cadet is never going to to have the kind of production that would have him rosterable on a fantasy team. Um, So the issue here that we need to discuss is just the Saints scored a lot of points on Sunday. But they weren't running the ball very well, uh, or very much. Um, they had Ingram out there. He was he was rushing, but he didn't get very many opportunities. Uh, neither did anyone else in the backfield, really. So and they weren't really down where the score would dictate that change. Yeah. So the problem is is simply this: uh, Do we think that Ingram still is going to do well in this offense? I think yes. I think it was a product of the scheme and the game uh, against the Raiders. It was working really well for them just to let Breeze launch it down the field. So that's exactly what they did. So I have a theory. Um, you told me before the show started that uh, it was the first game that Sean Payton had basically ceded control of calling offensive plays <laughs> to someone else, right? 
Yeah, so 100%. Essentially, what he did was he took the keys to the Ferrari and handed it to somebody else. And when you get the keys to the Ferrari the first time... You just wanted to throw the ball. You just, yeah, you just put your foot on the gas and go. It's like, well, we could do Ingram, but no, I don't right. think so. I could throw it, or I could have a Hall of Fame quarterback throw it to two of the fastest receivers in the league. And those guys lit it up. Willie Sneed and Brandon Cooks looked phenomenal. It looks like, you know, we're always looking for who's the pair, right? Who's the pair that's going to be in the top ten? They have entered their names into the contest. Yes, well, I agree with you. So I think there's there's not too much to worry about there, except that um, he just didn't do well this this go around. Uh, Chris Ivory, another running back, um, and it, we'll talk about this later too and touch upon it. But there weren't a lot of running backs that had a whole lot of yards. There's only a couple, and I'm not sure, a lot of rushing yards. No. Um, Chris Ivory was just released from the hospital for an illness, but we don't know what the illness was. So it's kind of fun. It's sort of like uh, you know one of those. Uh, uh, weird sitcom shows. He caught pneumonia from Hillary Clinton. Procedurals. Yes, everyone has walking <laughs> pneumonia. <laughs> um, so in the meantime, TJ Yeldon is the play, and he's a great play. He should do really well. Problem is, he didn't do very well uh, when <coughs> when he played uh, this past week. And his fantasy value was only really saved by a touchdown. So he had about 50 all-purpose yards or something like that. He should do well. Um, but if I remember correctly, the Jaguars were, were kind of uh, in their usual situation, which was just bombing the ball to Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns every play to try to get back the win. Yeah, and, um, you know, that's not – you don't want to do what you always do against the Packers. I think the Packers are one of the best teams at studying other teams in the league. And if you have tendencies, they're going to exploit them. And, it, it, you know, the Jaguars are good at what they do now, so they're probably just going to continue to do it. But they should have – shook it up a little bit they might have had a chance to beat the Packers yeah I agree and I still think Yeldon is a good play but if it's Yeldon and Ivory then it's really tough for me to play one of those guys because they'll probably just be a traditional committee agree but who knows we we're gonna find out this week probably what was wrong with Ivory uh or if he'll play and if he doesn't I would still start him um I think against the Chargers yeah uh so we we have a, a couple of questions in the chat room which we'll get to real shortly we're almost done here. Just two more uh, injury items. I wanted to talk a little bit about Sammy Watkins. He had a foot surgery in the spring. Now he has a sore foot that was aggravated by things that happened uh, in this past game on Sunday. Normally wouldn't be news, but since he's had those, those previous issues and he had that surgery, uh, it is news. Now, Sammy Watkins is one of those guys where he can go out there and get you 20 points. He's probably the, the main focal point of the offense. Uh, him and LaShawn McCoy on Buffalo. Right. Now, one problem is that Tyrod Taylor has not been playing well. I don't expect that to continue to happen the entire season. We'll see what's wrong. I don't know exactly what it is. but um, And two, his game is in two short nights. It's uh, Thursday night football. So this could be misdirection on behalf of uh, Rex Ryan, uh, although he's not really famous for doing that kind of stuff. Um Watkins is, is saying that he's going to play no matter what. Whenever players say that, you want to believe them, but they don't really get the final choice. That's true. Uh, it is up to the coaches after all. Some coaches will leave the decision up to the player, which just means that the coach would play the player like no matter what. Okay. Uh, so I think if he plays, you play him just because he is the number one there. There's no competition. He's going to get all the targets if he plays. Uh, we haven't seen Watkins really out there for uh, misdirection I don't think, but he and, has... And I wouldn't be so afraid of Revis Island this year, not after what happened last week. Well, A.J. Green's kind of on fire. Sure, 
But Sammy Watkins is no slouch. Of course, if he has a bad foot, then uh, if he can't run, then he shouldn't be playing anyways. Yeah, if if I remember right, I think he had 97 yards on uh, on on Revis last time they played. Yeah, it's it, you know I'm not afraid. Yep, he's not afraid. They're not afraid. That's right. <laughs> so, um, would would you touch on Jamal real quickly? So Jamal um, is going to be out for week two. I believe that's official now. Is that right? No. It, it doesn't say that he's going to be out. They haven't made that announcement. Okay. So Spencer Ware uh, did start in week one. It looks like he'll be starting in week two. That's what it looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he had over 100 yards receiving last week. Excellent game for him. It was all like in the comeback, though. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, it may be that they would rather run Sharkandrick West on a regular basis if they were up by 21 points rather than down. Um, so, I, you know, I, I can't wait to see Jamal Charles again. He's one of the most electric players in the league. As soon as he's actually playing, you need to start him right away. I, I still feel that that is the case for Jamal Charles, unless it is made extremely clear by Andy Reid that he's only going to get, like, 10 carries. Even in a even in a split, he's probably going to be better than your third guy on your team. Yeah, I mean, when when he used to play with Thomas Jones, for example, also on the Chiefs many years ago with Todd Haley as their OC, he would be a guy, uh, and I experienced this for a couple of years, who would get ha- less than half of the carries. But with those, he would still get, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown, 70 yards and a touchdown. Exactly. Which is better than a lot of the running back performances from week one. So even if he's splitting with, with West um, or with Ware, he's still going to be a guy you need to start. So let's hope uh, he gets better soon. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's all there really is to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got a question. Okay. Um, and... Do you have the uh, Do you have the question up? Yeah, I can handle the question if you want. So, uh, Glenn is in a league. Um, you and I are familiar with the format. Just to run it down real quick, it's a two-quarterback league, so um, you need to understand that when you go into the questions. That's the most important thing. It's also a PPR. He's got an auction waiver wire, and he's wondering, you know, who he should kind of get and what sort of area he's looking. So he lost his WR2, I'm guessing Keenan Allen. He lost his... Uh, RG3, which is his backup. So he needs a backup quarterback, and he needs a wide receiver, basically. Um, because there's, like, nobody on the wire, don't spend your money on Garoppolo because you're probably not going to start him in the next couple weeks, and then he won't start for the rest of the year. You may need to spend some money on Josh McCown. That's just kind of a fact. If there's no other starting quarterback, or, yeah, if there's no other starting quarterbacks, you have to at least make an honest try at Josh McCown. Did you mention that this is a uh, an auction bid? league yeah and and what's the uh, total amount uh they have a hundred dollars to start with and it's the first week so everyone's got a hundred dollars left um you know I, I would imagine that if someone else is kind of a hot pickup like you know of the free agencies listed mike wallace and tajay sharp seem like the the hottest pickups right now um and I, i'm not thrilled with them hopefully you have some good depth at wide receiver and you can survive that um I think that you need to focus on picking up a quarterback right now because you can't get one later. This is your this is one of your only chances at getting a quarterback. You're probably going to need to bid. I, I don't know. Um, I, I've played a couple of these auction leagues, and if I remember correctly, the winning bids for a quarterback in this situation is usually like twenty to thirty dollars or more. It would be difficult for me to spend twenty or thirty dollars on Josh McCown. You would have to. And I would recommend bidding on the low end of that because it may be that nobody else in the league really needs him. Look at other people's needs. 
Um, but when we played in the big 360-team league last year, I thought I got a great idea of what everybody was worth last year. Um, it, it was really cool seeing, like, here's six different leagues, and this is how much this player went for in each league. And sometimes people would not bid on them, and you'd get them for a buck, and that was, you know... Well, without interesting. without spending too much time on this, is it? I don't know if it's a super flex league where you can play a different position, or if it's just a two quarterback Straight league and that's all you have is two quarterbacks. Because if it's a super flex, then I'm not going to spend a third of my budget on Josh McCown. That's not going to happen. Uh, I'm just not going to. Well, I'm recommending twenty right now, which uh, is only a fifth. I like Wallace and Sharp a lot, but I think Sharp is uh, is clearly the number one receiver for a team, and to get a number one receiver for a team for would probably end up costing 25 or something like that is uh is a really nice catch um especially if you did just lose a guy like keenan allen etc um jason uh, is is more particular about the quarterbacks because he knows what happens if another guy was to get injured you'd have one and then you might have a, a week if you can't get any other quarterbacks that for example you can't field one you can't and play you can't start one but <laughs> it might be wiser to try and trade for a quarterback with available depth it's not a super flex it is two quarterbacks i think you gotta i think you have to try and get mccown and i think that for your team he's worth up to 25 dollars. now you should look at what other people need uh, to make your decision from that but i i think that with this auction style what i like best for the auction waiver wire is spending, you know, most of the money on two or maybe three players. Well, I would try trading. There's probably a team that has uh, four quarterbacks. Well, yeah, that's always an option too. But yeah, I mean, if but you, if you need to rebuild your team on the wire, then that's what you got to do. Well, if you have no choice, you have no choice. There will be other quarterbacks that get injured throughout the year, but you don't know when and where. You don't know how much money you're going to have at that point. So I, I don't know. Maybe like. Um, Maybe Jared Goff is worth taking for a dollar after this, um, because if you don't need anybody to fill in a bye week for a while, you know after seeing what Case Keenum did, I can't imagine that if that keeps up, they're going to keep Goff on the bench. You might as well put Goff in to to do that. Well, it could be a league where he's already owned. If someone like Bradford is already owned, etc. Um, you know, taking backup quarterbacks is not the way to go necessarily. What I'm saying is, you can spend a dollar, or or maybe the way it's set is that you can get him for free. Uh, after the waiver wire expires. So, you know, I'm just saying, in order to save yourself some money, you might be able to do that down the line rather than spending a bunch of money on McCown. All right, well, good luck. I mean, I'd try to trade, but obviously uh, it is Tuesday night and your waivers are probably this evening. So so good luck to you. Um, and if you decide to go the wide receiver route, I like Sharp and Wallace. I think they're going to be good down the stretch, both on teams with quarterbacks that can sling it down the field. Um, speaking of, of the Giants, it was really interesting to see Victor Cruz score a touchdown, um, and he didn't salsa. Did you see that? He salsaed. Nope. Or he did something else. Yeah, he didn't do any salsa celebration. Oh. That was the first time in a long time. Although, to be fair, it's the first time in two years that he's... That he scored a touchdown? Yeah. yeah. So He should have tried to earn it again, which is good. You know, he didn't go nuts. Well, that was his opinion, which I kind of like. He's sort of humbled the guy that it's taken him so long to get back. Yeah. And it, it'll be, uh, you know, amazing if he can play... You know, if he can be anything like he used to be, then they've got three good receivers on that team. Yeah, the Giants are, are an interesting team. So uh, let's move on uh, to um, to our next. All right. So uh, I, I just want to say Monday night was great, right? And uh, Antonio Brown may have been the highlight of the night, but the the real highlight of the night you might not have heard 
It was Kevin Harlan on the radio. Third and four, looks into the nickel of San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Kevin. Oh, they got him. Here comes the blue from the coat. Left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Oh, Kevin Harlan is, uh, what, what was the tweet? Kevin Harlan is a national treasure. I agree. That was a fantastic call for the streaker on the field or whatever they were doing. We're, we're just not getting the music right today, apparently. Well, we can move on to uh, sure. a, a new column that we're doing for this year, uh, which is kind of a, a fun thing. Jason can explain it because he's the author. It's called Statistically Insignificant, and it's going to be a weekly uh, reoccurring column on drink5.com. So why don't you just take us through, uh, Jason, what, what you have up there. Uh, is it going to be just five uh, numbers, and you're just going to explain what those numbers mean um, You know, every week? Essentially. Um, drink five, I figure five things are a good number of things to pick out of the uh hat there so um for example we got this week um i I write this column on monday so it's before any of the games on monday night but as of uh after sunday we had only had one back to run over 100 yards it was lamar miller he ran for 106 yards so 106 was my number and um you know he was the only back to break 100 yards granted last night d'angelo williams ran for 144 um but this is definitely about as low uh, in terms of total rushing yards that you've had in a season for a long time. So back in 99, you had four guys uh, get over 100. But this year, it was only two, and only one of them really had a significant total. So um, very historically low rushing total to start the season. Um, I, I really think that it, it just shows that the league is shifting into a passing league. You did have like 10 or 11 backs that had more than 100 yards from scrimmage but that includes receiving yards of course uh so the next number was 11 11 kickers uh in week one so far as after sunday 11 kickers reached the double digit promised land Uh, i do believe that steven kostowski made it 12 last night um but four of those kickers were owned in or i'm sorry he played on sunday night but anyways Four of those kickers are owned in less than 10% of the Yahoo leagues. So uh, my point here is that streaming a kicker is always an option, and you should remember that at a draft, do not take a kicker until the last round. Or don't take a kicker at all if you don't need to. If you can pick up a kicker later, you should probably do that because chances are you're going to drop your kicker on a bye week. And if it's somebody who you are going to no doubt drop on a bye week, you shouldn't waste draft space on them. Um, So 0-2. So far, the two, well, not so far, this this is true. The two highest scoring quarterbacks of week one both lost their game. So uh, Andrew Luck and Drew Brees were both on the losing sides of a shootout. And shootouts, as we know, produce the best fantasy games. And it lends credence to the old saying, the best fantasy offense is a weak, weak real-life defense. So, um, you know, what you want to look for, obviously, always, is uh, a, a matchup. A good matchup where a, team's, a guy's playing a bad defense. Uh, so 26 targets, right? Dak Prescott, he debuted this week, and he is Mr. Checkdown, apparently. He had 14 targets for Jason Witten, 12 targets for Cole Beasley. Neither of those guys, I think, eclipsed 70 yards receiving. Um, so it's not a ton of production, especially 
in a regular scoring league. However, if you need somebody to replace Keenan Allen for a week or two, that's uh, not a bad option because in a PPR league, they're still going to score, you know, 12, 15 points probably. Um, and this will work out at least until Tony Romo gets back. As soon as he gets back, you know, Romo is going to be in there. He's going to be throwing the deep ball to Des Bryant, and the offense is going to look a lot better. Um, if Des- Dak Prescott can't throw the deep ball, uh, they are not going to keep him around. That's just the way it goes. I still hear uh, rumors that Romo's going to come back sooner than later, and I really don't think that Prescott is is going to be the guy that just like takes over for Romo. Somehow. They may want to develop him down the line, but it definitely not with what I saw. It, you know, he's not going to be replacing anybody in the NFL. Well, I mean, these these guys they go out there and they they get their first shot, you know, and they they never meant for for Prescott to be playing real snaps in real NFL games this year. That's true. Uh, so 77 years. Um, Carson Wentz was the first rookie to start week one for the Eagles since 1939. So it was a 77-year gap. And I, I suggest, humbly, of course, to the Eagles that they might want to try it more often. Wentz threw for 278 yards and two touchdowns, the very first of the day on Sunday, by the way, and most importantly for a rookie, he had zero turnovers. So you shouldn't be afraid of rookie quarterbacks, guys. Uh, they can do great things for you. Uh, and we'll see how long it takes for Philadelphia to embrace him and then turn on him. Because isn't that, you know, part of the thing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that's statistically insignificant, right? None of those numbers are really going to mean a whole lot going down the line, but they're fun to mention, they're fun to talk about, and, uh, you know, you can impress your friends with all your fantasy knowledge <laughs> and just general knowledge of football. Okay, moving along to uh, some of the questions that we have out there. Here's one. Uh, this is from Mike. And uh, we were just talking earlier about Mike Wallace and Tajay Sharp because uh, Glenn, who had a question in the chat room, was wondering if he should pick those guys up. A lot of people have them ranked right next to each other in, uh, in standard leagues. And I'm wondering in week two if, uh, if Mike Wallace at Cleveland or Tajay Sharp at Detroit is the better play in a standard league as a wide receiver three. I, I like both of them, actually, because they both started to do well within their schemes and organizations. Uh, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Wallace, but as, as Wallace owners um, previously know, some weeks he can only have maybe a couple of uh, targets, and if you don't connect on any of those targets, then you don't get points. But Flacco is a better quarterback than the last two that he's had, so I think good things instead of bad things. So for me, I'm going to take Mike Wallace because he has those big plays, whereas Tajay Sharp is the number one guy, but he's a possession receiver that doesn't look to have you know 60-yard touchdowns. He's a guy who um, Mariota is, uh, is throwing to a lot, but is in a role because of the offense where it's not huge downfield passes. Your opinion? I mean, that's definitely how I see uh, them. I think I would prefer Wallace in this situation, if only because that's a sweet matchup against Cleveland. It seems like Cleveland is already the team that everyone's going to want to pick on in fantasy. Yeah, they'll fade uh, on Cleveland every week. Yeah. yeah, but that'll work. And you know what? You were right about Mike Wallace, I think, in terms of you know he needed to be on a team with a guy who can throw the deep ball again. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's exactly how he scores his touchdown. Exactly. It was a deep ball. That's what he And he does. just ran away. I'm like, wait, that's Mike Wallace. He's not supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> He's like, always done that. It's has. just Tannehill couldn't give him the ball. You know, uh, and before that, uh, Bridgewater couldn't give him the ball. Bridgewater certainly couldn't give him the ball. No. Uh, similar circumstance uh, and two rookies. We have Will Fuller and Corey Coleman. This is a team where there's three wide receivers and a flex spot. And in that flex spot, uh, we can either play Travis Benjamin, or I'm sorry, Will Fuller or Corey Coleman. 
So, Fuller obviously did really well against the Bears last week. He's playing versus Kansas City this week. Um, and he's a, another guy kind of like Wallace, who's a burner, runs really quickly. He's got a 4-3-something 40. Um, but he's got some issues with, you know, hands running that fast. Sure. Uh, and I guess he has small diameter of hands, if, if, you, if that's something that, <laughs> you know... Not like Donald Trump small, though. I, I guess not. Okay. Uh, or Corey Coleman, who is uh, another rookie. He is on Cleveland, and they're playing Baltimore. Um, and he's a guy that we were talking about earlier, wanting to get more involved in the passing game. We want him to uh, because he should be a good receiver. But already there's instability there in uh, in Cleveland. Right. I, I like Will Fuller in this environment for sure. Um, I, I would like to see Corey Coleman emerge, uh, but... I. I definitely would go with Will Fuller in this situation. You know, if it's one or the other of those guys, definitely. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, a couple more questions. This one is from Tommy. Comes through on Twitter. Uh, he has a problem with his quarterback. Uh, it looks, Don't we all, Tommy? <laughs> it looks like he uh, he played Kirk Cousins um, on Monday night, and he didn't really like Kirk Cousins' performance. He said that uh, playing against uh, against Pittsburgh. Kirk Cousins literally gave him nausea. Yeah, I mean, that was an ugly game to watch. So they're going up against Dallas uh, this week, and he also has he has two quarterbacks on his team. He has Cousins and he has Dalton. So Dalton's going up against Pittsburgh this week. So he's like, do I try it again versus Pittsburgh <laughs> with Dalton, or do I go with Cousins versus Dallas? Um, Andy Dalton against Pittsburgh? I don't know. Obviously, like you said, try it again. They, Cousins just played Pittsburgh last week. Didn't go so great for him. The Pittsburgh defense is playing better this year. They look good so far. Yeah, they're going to be at home. There might be weather there, but the, um, but for them, their strengths being a fan uh, is more rushing defense than passing defense. Although it certainly looked like they were getting out and defending well. Yeah. So you know, all around, definitely the the rush was better. But um, uh, you know, if you're if you got to pick one of those two, then I would go with Andy Dalton. Because he's got the better weapon on offense, um, but you may want to try and pick somebody up. You know, consider Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is playing Chicago. Um, you know, they don't have any cornerbacks right now. It's dangerous to be to be starting up guys a rookie quarterback right that has only played one game in the NFL. I'm saying if you're if you're not if you've decided you're not going to start the guys on your team right now, then those are your options. Well, I I, I mean, if your choices are. Dalton or Cousins or or, or Wentz, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be considering Wentz. Well, then you need to. He's not a proven you commodity. Need to think again about the guys you have and ride with one. Of them. Well, his question is, which one is it? So you saying Dalton? Oh, I thought it, I thought it was kind of implying that he didn't want to start either. Okay, so I, I would start Cousins against the Cowboys. Okay, yeah, I I kind of like Dalton against Pittsburgh just because the secondary of Pittsburgh has. Uh, demonstrated holes in the past, but as you mentioned, didn't look so bad last week. So yeah, it didn't look so bad last. I'd week. probably go with Cousins too. Um, a tight end question: uh, We have a uh, a conundrum, I guess. Uh, Interesting. There's there's Zach Miller from Chicago or um, Dwayne Allen on Indianapolis. Dwayne Allen is playing Denver, and Zach Miller is playing Philadelphia. So I don't think either did. A great job, but I know Zach Miller only had one or two receptions, and Dwayne Allen, I believe, scored a touchdown. Dwayne um, Allen, I believe, was the high-scoring fantasy tight end of the week. Uh, I will double-check on that one, but... Yeah, he had four for I got the, I got the silly Yahoo medal for the best free agent pickup, because, oh no, it was Jack Doyle. 
Yeah. And then Dwayne Allen. They, well, they're they're but both nobody on, picked up Jack Doyle. They're both on Indianapolis, yeah. Right. Uh, and so Allen is their number one tight end. He was targeted six times by Luck, um, second highest scoring uh, behind Jack Doyle. So one and two were the Colts' uh, tight ends. But right. the question is: Is Dwayne Allen going to repeat that against a good defense like Denver, or or do you go with uh, with a guy like Zach Miller against Philadelphia? So. I, um, I just continue to ride the player that's doing better at the at the moment. Zach Miller didn't demonstrate anything worthy of me suddenly starting him. Greg Olson had a fine game this week. It's not like Denver is going to totally shut down the tight end position. I would go with Dwayne Allen as well. Yeah, and we'll see. I bet I bet Dwayne Allen is really back and forth. You know, it's funny for him uh, because you thought that he would do better because he didn't have Kobe Fleener there anymore. Well, now apparently whatever his other tight end is. Uh, is going to continue to take away. Sure, but don't worry about that. Jack Doyle had three targets, four targets, three catches, two touchdowns. Like it, it was the it was an it was because the game was so weird because they were down. Uh, they were just trying to come back. You know, Dwayne Allen had six targets. He had a extra. He had a two point conversion. You kind of count that as another target if you want. Um, well, I'm just saying they're sort of splitting game. things up, right? It's like the Packers, they had Jared Cook that everyone was excited about, but then they also had Richard Rodgers. They split the targets, and then none of them are fantasy relevant. But you're right. The only reason why these guys were, uh, and at the top of the pops, uh, no less, is because they both scored touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, if there's any more questions from the chat room or from anywhere else out there, just let us know. Uh, I would like to take a moment just to ask you guys to follow us on uh, on Twitter at Drink5, on Facebook, give us a like, we're under Drink5 Network, and we're always posting our new articles when they come out, um, and just random tidbits or funny fantasy memes or whatever, you know, whatever's clever at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we're available on iTunes, so if you don't get to uh, listen to a podcast live, you're more than welcome to go to iTunes and search for Drink 5 Network there, or on Stitcher under the same name. Or you, on our website, you can just listen from there. You can subscribe to those channels, and uh, of course, come to our website and listen, but you know, you can't technically subscribe to it uh, via that uh, that channel. So Right. Would love if you did, and if you do, give us a review. That'd be fantastic. Um, the more reviews we get, the bigger the audience, the bigger the paychecks that uh, me and Jason make. They're currently zero, so any bigger than that would be fantastic. We're technically negative, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, so let's move right along again. Uh, we're going to talk about waiver wire pickups uh, for week two. Now, uh, I know that a lot of people uh, don't necessarily pick up guys off the wire in week one. Although I would personally uh, say that that just forgetting about your team until the season starts is not a very good thing to do. <laughs> um, a, a lot of times you can pick up guys like Tajay Sharp and stuff that people were sleeping on, up including You're gonna have a bad time. those uh, those particular uh, weeks. So for me, for example, a couple of leagues that drafted way earlier, I ended up picking up guys like Sharp uh, and Sharp, both Sharps actually. All the uh, Sharps? Yeah, later later on uh, while everyone else was sleeping. So, so these, did you literally pick them up at like 3 a.m.? I did. All right. I didn't have to, but that's just when I'm awake. Right. So what can I do? So uh, we're going to talk about waiver wires, and every week when we talk about them, um, we're, we're, we're thinking about guys that are owned by less than half of people in standard Yahoo leagues. This go-around, I only talked about people that were owned in 40% or less. 
Honestly, I would like to bring that down to even lower, like a 20%, because I feel like a lot of those leagues out there don't have a, you know enough smart people, intelligent people in them. And so you're getting guys um, that are on the wire still that should not be. And, and those I, are the obvious first choices anyways. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to waste your guys' time by, by telling you that you should pick up Will Fuller guys, <laughs> or, or guys that go you know 120 yards and a touchdown or guys that are in great situations. Um, so let's talk about it. Uh, for, for quarterbacks, one of the guys that I really like is Joe Flacco, only 18% owned in Yahoo Leagues. This makes sense. He's only 18% owned because most leagues only have one quarterback slot. And if you have one quarterback slot, then he's a quarterback too. It doesn't necessarily even need to be a backup. But if you are in a two-quarterback league or looking for streaming quarterbacks based on matchups, I really like Flacco against the Cleveland Browns in Week 2, a team that gave up almost 300 yards and two touchdowns to the rookie quarterback Carson Wentz on a, you know, a squad where they actually pass the ball a lot and they have a great target like Mike Wallace. I think you're going to see some connections in week two, and I would not be surprised if Flacco puts up bigger numbers than Carson Wentz. Yeah, I like Joe Flacco a lot, um, especially this week. You know, Like you say, just for this matchup, but you know, go for it. Uh, running back pickups, uh, there, there's a lot of running backs out there, but not a lot of them did very well this week for whatever reason. We can chalk that up to uh, you know just the start of the season and schemes and people you know overly passing, etc. But Theo Riddick was a great, great um, fantasy play for anyone who had him out there. He scored two touchdowns, had 108 all-purpose yards on five receptions. And Riddick, along with Abdullah, uh, are guys that I guess are going to move pretty well in this Detroit Lions offense. Matt Stafford throws the ball a ton. And because of that, it kind of opens up those lanes a little bit for guys like Abdullah and Riddick. But that's not why uh, Riddick scored a bunch of touchdowns. The reason is because he is kind of uh, this explosive all-purpose back who is splitting carries with Abdullah, yeah, but both of them sometimes line up um, in the slot or or not as a receiver, I don't think. But, you know, they're out there catching balls from Stafford, just like the receivers alongside them. Um, and so one thing to keep in mind, the Colts' defense was pretty terrible. <laughs> and so it doesn't mean that Riddick's going to get 100 yards and two touchdowns every game, especially considering he's not the starting quarterback, technically. But I think there will be enough uh, opportunities for Riddick to be um, a flex spot on your team almost every game. And uh, depending on how stacked your team is, that he at least you know gets a position on the bench. I think most people have someone already on their bench that they could sacrifice for someone like Riddick who has that high of a ceiling. Um, you know, Theo Riddick is one of those guys that I am always very hesitant to sort of believe in and to think that he's going to do well then you don't get him. on any week. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll have other games like he had, uh, and he'll have 10 catch games for 130 yards, but I'm never going to pick that one. I, I would only use him as somebody, you know, in a week where I have to put someone in. But these are bench guys. If you're in a league where you don't, you're not penalized by picking up people on the waiver wire, where you're not charged money, where you can just swap people in and out, you should always keep a couple guys that are on a rotunda, you know, because sure. those people are, you're going to have people on your bench where you're like, I like him. Eventually he's going to do well. He was, you know, he's, he's right at the top of your kind of cutoff here. Um, he was drafted in a bunch of leagues that I'm in. I was kind of surprised. 
Well, I mean, there's been hype about him for the preseason and week one, and it's it's bleeding into it. Obviously, there was a reason why people drafted him if he got over 100 in a touch. Two exactly. touches. Exactly. Uh, well, let's talk about Bravo wide receivers. Bravo to anybody who started him. We've got wide receivers out there who are not very owned. One is Eli Rogers on Pittsburgh, 8% owned. I like this guy. He had seven targets on Monday night, caught six of them, 59 yards and a touchdown. That might not seem like a lot, but again, look at guys like... Uh, uh, Travis Benjamin on the Chargers, he had like seven receptions for 35 yards. <laughs> Sometimes the game just it happens to you. Yeah. Um, but being a slot guy, we're not going to expect Rodgers to line up on the outside. He's not going to be getting a ton of red zone targets. Um, you have to be wary of this kind of situation. He's getting pushed in the spotlight a little bit on some expert sites, including ours, because he scored a touchdown. But that touchdown was bounced off of Sammy Coates, who was the intended original target, into his arms. Right. What is good about that is it shows that he's an alert player, he's ready to go, um, he is uh, developing a great chemistry with Roethlisberger, and the Steelers, again, being a fan myself, they haven't had a good slot player in years and years, and Todd Haley is really infatuated with scheming things for Eli Rogers. And if Todd Haley gets infatuated with scheming things, believe me, he's just going to keep doing it until it doesn't work over and over again. So we're, <laughs> we're going to see Rodgers involved in every single game. Now, I like Rodgers a lot. I think that they can run a lot with the with the three wide receiver set still because they don't use a fullback. They don't even really need a tight end blocking. D'Angelo Williams is so good. Uh, so you'll see Eli Rodgers getting a lot of snaps. Um, but like you said, I don't think he's going to get a ton of red zone targets. Um, but certainly, like... There's room for a second guy behind Antonio Brown. There's so much space. There's so much room for another guy there. Nobody seems to want to take that position. Well, it was Martavis Bryant, and then he just kind of played himself out of that exactly. with off-the-field concerns. Then it we was, have you know, uh, Sammy Coates. It was Coates. his, and he can't, he can't keep it. Sammy Coates is, I guess, not uh, not mature enough as a player. They want him to, to work on some things still and some route trees. Uh, Marcus Wheaton does come back. He needs to uh, go on a uh, walkabout. Sometime soon. So you have to watch out for that. But I agree with you. I think there is room for all four receivers. I'm talking about uh, Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheaton, Eli Rogers, and Sammy Coates to be productive in some way, similar to a New Orleans uh, offense. In fact, they have Jesse James, too, who is fast becoming one of the, the spotlighted tight end pickups. Um, in fact, I don't think I even included him because he's probably owned by, by too many teams or similar to that. No, he's he's a low... Well, he's got a low total, I'm sure. If he did, he doesn't anymore. Uh, uh, so, oh, you got one more guy, right? You mean for wide receivers? Yeah. I just have another one I want to ask you about, but do your guy first. Sure. So Nelson Aguilar, he was a first-round draft pick last year. Didn't do so well. Had some injury concerns. Had some quarterback concerns. Had instability on the team. Management on the team had issues. Scheming on the team. The running backs didn't play well. Basically, the Eagles just kind of fell all over themselves last year. Um, but he's a first-rounder that still has talent, and he showcased it on Sunday. Um, Carson Wentz looked to Aguilar five times, which resulted in four receptions for 57 yards and one touchdown. Um, that's pretty good, especially for this sort of uh, young connection happening between these two guys. Jordan Matthews was the standout wide receiver one, and he is always going to be there. Uh, I don't think Aguilar is going to take over that job, but... Uh, Jordan Matthews is not the guy who's an outside receiver. And if Aguilar ends up being an outside receiver for the Eagles and Carson Wentz ends up being um, an average quarterback, 
you know, he's yeah. he's still going to get enough production to be worthy of being on a team because he's going to get you 60 yards and uh, a touchdown every other game. And Yeah, oh, totally. So I think Aguilar is a great uh, option. And remember, they went against the Browns in Week 1, but they're going against Chicago in Week 2 and Pittsburgh in Week 3. Now, Pittsburgh, it remains to be seen whether or not the secondary is actually good or if Washington was just going through growing pains. We'll see. But Chicago is a team susceptible to uh, passes in their secondary, or lack thereof. So I would expect the Eagles, and again, they have a rookie quarterback, so we'll see. But I would expect the Eagles to, to continue with this upbeat offense um, into Week 2. Yeah, I would think that, you know, just with the Redskins a second, that they would want to um, use Josh Norman a little bit more. It was pretty clear that the... Uh, the Steelers could put Antonio Brown wherever they wanted and Norman wouldn't go follow him. And I understand that that's part of their scheme, but you know, it's not, it can't be the worst idea to put your best player on their best player. I don't think it even matters to be honest. Like one of the things the Steelers do and a lot of teams do during the preseason and in training camp is they'll do the one-on-ones with the defensive backs and the wide receivers. Uh Everybody hated that on the Steelers because if they go up against Antonio Brown, they they lose every time they lose. It was literally like 12 out of 12, 12 out of 12. Like no one can take. So it's probably not fair to measure (laughs) anyone against Antonio Brown at the moment. But but you're right. You have a guy like Norman or a guy like Revis or whatever. Um, you should probably be focusing on the the number one target of the opposing team. Yeah. So uh, a guy that I wanted to ask you about what you think of him is Jeremy Curley on the 49ers. He is only owned in two percent of leagues. Yeah, I have him as a uh, as a sleeper pick slash deeper league pick. Okay. Um, and uh, go ahead. You wouldn't want to bump him up a little bit. He had 11 targets, seven catches. No, I don't. So that's a lot of work, but only 61 yards. He's on the 49ers, and the idea there is uh, Jeremy Curley actually came to the team, what, uh, two weeks ago or something like that? So it's it's pretty impressive that he's developed this rapport with Blaine Gabbert so quickly. Um, that said, the 49ers were playing against a super uh, anemic and dismal Rams team that did nothing. And they play Carolina this week. So. And they're about to get crushed by, by you know a team that almost won the Super Bowl. Now, I like Curley. I actually liked him on the Jets. Although, with uh, you know, with guys like uh, Marshall and Decker there, there's not much opportunity to shine. Although there is a, a third wide receiver on the Jets now who who might uh, disagree with that. Quincy uh, Iwinua? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Curly is going to continue to get a lot of targets along with Quinton Patton because they're the only targets on the 49ers. But is that important to you? I don't know. I don't know if it should be or not. Okay. No, I I don't think it's very important either. But I do have him. In the article, so okay, I, I uh, so I'm 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 thinking. I read it but didn't process it. I think it's good to mention uh, Curly because, especially in really deep leagues, and that's where I have him down here, mm-hmm. uh, or PPR leagues, etc. Even if you only get forty yards, if you're getting targeted uh, ten times a game and you're catching six or seven balls, then you're you're really going to score ten points. Sure. Even if you don't score touchdowns ever, you're still worth a wide receiver three slot. Yeah. So. Yeah, those guys like Eli Rogers and Jeremy Curley and, and uh, Travis Benjamin and, you know, the list goes on. They may not score a lot of touchdowns this year, but they're probably going to be really valuable in PPR leagues. Yeah. And then to uh, answer your other question, uh, Jesse James is owned in uh, 21% of leagues. Okay. And he's actually being added as much as he's being dropped, which I'm not sure what that indicates. <laughs> I think some people drafted him thinking he'd do a lot. But they're realizing that he's going to be a lot closer to Heath Miller, 
than like a, a more of a passing star. I'm not prepared to uh, compare Jesse James to Heath Miller. That's fine. He just got forced the ball a bunch of times. He only caught half his passes yeah. in this game. Um, but he's huge. Yeah, that right. Helps. Uh, same same here though with uh, Kyle Rudolph, who's my tight end waiver wire pickup. Uh, he caught four of his eight targets for 65. So it, it's difficult because Sean Hill is the quarterback in Minnesota right now. Sam Bradford will, we assume, take over in week two or week three uh, and be under center. But regardless, the thing about Minnesota is that they're going to run a game-managing, conventional, uh, conservative offense and let Adrian Peterson try to do as much work as he can. Granted, Adrian Peterson was one of the worst running backs that started on a team last week. But I don't think that's always going to be the case. That will, yeah, that will not be the case very often at all. But what I can assume, I think, or what I am assuming, is that Kyler Rudolph is going to continue to have a role in this offense, and maybe one that's growing, because whether the quarterback is Hill or Bradford, um, they're going to they're going to hold the ball a lot, dip dip and dunk kind of uh, offense. Dink and uh, dunk. Sure. Dippin' Dots kind of offense. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're going to toss the, the ball when they have to, but not a lot. And so the, the tight end, I think, can soak up uh, five or six targets per game. And I kind of like him uh, because I think he'll be more consistent this year than he was previously. But that's conjecture. So, again, Jesse James, Kyle Rudolph, um, these guys that are that are towards the bottom end of the tight end waiver pool – all of them are going to have that same kind of, uh, um, you know, um, sort of gamble. Because there's no way these guys are getting 10 targets a game. They're not wide receivers, and they're not uh, owned by all the teams. So don't be surprised if you pick up a guy off the waiver wire and, and you're not going to end up using him in a week or two and you dip him off for somebody else. Well, hopefully, That's the know, whole point of the waiver wire. People playing have played before, and they understand that. Sure, but everyone always gets so right, pissed right. off when these things happen. They're like, oh, I can't believe that, especially in leagues where, one, you're paying for transactions, or two, you're, uh, you're you know, using oh, play God, money. Don't remind me about playing, paying for transactions. <laughs> I, I don't even think I want to look at the waiver wire in that league half the time because I don't even want to be tempted to pick people up. Well, um, you're, you're in a league, I guess, where it's $5 per transaction. $5 right? per transaction. But you still have to look at it because if you're not making moves, then you're, you're dead in the water. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, yeah. So, you know, one of the things about the uh, the waiver wire, like the what do they call it, the auction waiver wire, is that is that what it's officially called? Um, when you have like a hundred dollars and you have to bid on the free agents, yeah, all auction bid, F A A B, free agent auction bid. Okay. <laughs> uh, when when you have that, I feel like um, you know it, it, it's so much more advantageous to just try and take a couple of players, which means you have to you have to be patient. You can't. You know, if you're taking a bunch of these players and they don't work out for a couple of weeks, then you're just burning so much money. Well, it's like doing an auction draft. You could sort of wait until the uh, last couple of weeks of the regular season for your for your free agent pickups, and then just take everyone that no one else can. <laughs> right, and if your team's competitive, then that's going to be a great service to your team. But you have to get there first, I guess. Yeah, it sucks when you run out of money in those things, and you literally can just bid like one or two, and, and every single person is going to scoop them ahead of you. Right, your best bet is to get a defense after the free agency is opened up. Yeah, or or some of them don't even allow that. We we've been in a couple expert leagues in the past that don't allow they don't actually open it up ever. That's true. Yeah, I remember that one. And um, 
Yeah, that's not fun. You have to do waivers twice a week, but yeah, they're never open f- just to be picked up. <laughs> and uh, so I do uh, the defense and kicker rankings for uh, for Drink Five, and I love it. Although Jason will say there's no stock in that, I disagree with him. Uh, I love taking these particular picks that are doing well from week to week. Last year, I was looking at Minnesota and Philadelphia. Both teams did really well. Um, I'm going to tell you the pick that's going to do well this week. What? Uh, that's the New York Jets at Buffalo. So uh, I, I don't know, sir. The Jets did really well last week, and they scored about nine points in standard scoring leagues. But um, what people don't recognize from the Jets' performance is because it wasn't stellar, right? Uh, because they, uh, they ended up giving up... Um, they ended up giving up some points, and uh, they, they did not get um, a touchdown, etc., in the game. So what they got a lot of points for were sacks. I believe they sacked like six or seven times um, that particular game. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. And uh, I think that they're going to continue in Week 2 against a Buffalo offense that has a questionable Sammy Watkins with lingering foot pain, uh, and... Um, Tyrod Taylor, who scored, what, six points last week in scoring standard scoring leagues? Yeah, it was brutal. So until Buffalo gets their act together, that's another team that I think we can fade against uh, because they're not scoring points offensively. But, Even if you have a, a defense that is not proactively scoring points like sacks and, and uh, you know defensive touchdowns, they're still going to get a bunch of points just from the fact that the opposing team doesn't score more than 10. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that helps for sure. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor uh, was the only person, um, you know, that did better. Than, well, I, I say it the other one. Case Keenum is the only one, one who is worse than Tyrod Taylor. So I love the Jets uh, in, in week two, and if they are uh, available to be picked up, do that. I also love Philadelphia once more against the Bears. I think the Bears are another team to fade against because they make a lot of mistakes um, historically, and I don't really see them changing that MO this the year. historical mistake. Um, so I like I like both of those. And then, of course, you got all your standbys, but they're probably already owned by people. Um, so don't be afraid to grab up Pittsburgh as a flyer if you're in a deep league because it does seem like Pittsburgh is sort of turning things around um, on uh, on their defense. So that's all I have for, for waiver wire picks. And uh, I, I look at... Um, at some of the the matchups this week, and I'm looking at them right now, uh, we've got the Jets and Bills on Thursday, so that's an early game. Is it going to be a color blast game? I don't know, but according to what we usually see on Thursdays, it'll it'll be a low scoring game, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. And the, this is the first official Thursday night game. Obviously, starting the season on Thursday night doesn't give anybody a short week. It gives you a short off season. Yeah, but that's fine. So we've got 49ers at Panthers. Cowboys at Redskins, Bengals at Steelers, Saints at Giants, Dolphins at Patriots, the Chiefs at the Texans, Titans at Lions, Ravens at Browns, Seahawks at Rams, Buccaneers at Cardinals. To me, it looks like most of these games are are pretty easy to determine the victor. Of course, that changes all the time. Okay. But but looking at it from like a confidence pool perspective or something, there's some pretty easy picks uh, in a lot of these teams. So unless they change their uniforms, and they're, they're saying they're going to color rush again this year, that'll be worn on Thursday night. Last year, the Bills-Jets color rush game was the game that all the colorblind people complained about. Because it's all green and all red. And a common type of colorblindness makes those very hard to distinguish. 
I so, have to say, I just don't really care about colorblind people because well, I can see the colors. We have a colorblind author on our website, Dave. You can't well, well, hopefully be he can, too disparaging. Hopefully he can distinguish black from white. <laughs> well, it's more like a gray from a gray. Well, then he'll be okay with writing on, on a white piece of paper, right? Uh, well, yeah. As long <laughs> as he can see a Jets helmet and a Bill's helmet, then I think he'll be all right. I don't know. I think they're really neat. You have to go with the majority of people for these sorts of things, right? I don't have to, no. Look, some of them are fine. Some of them are... Not uh, you, the NFL. I mean, they're doing something that's interesting. Uh, oh, the NFL will do whatever the hell they want. Exactly. <laughs> but you're, you're upset about this? I think it's gimmicky. I'm not upset about it. I think it's kind of gimmicky. It's silly. I think some of the jerseys look stupid. I think that they shouldn't uh, have a, a game played if like 8% of the population can't tell the difference between the teams like they should figure out a better way of doing that give one of them like a horizontal stripe or something is this going to affect their fantasy performance <laughs> no not unless the players themselves are colorblind in fact i believe that uh another thing i read about the colorblind the color rush jerseys was that uh the patriots and the texans play each other on one of those nights and they already have like the same team colors but the color rush jerseys were so similar that the Texans will not be wearing theirs. They're going to just wear their plain old uniforms instead. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Bucks at Cardinals, Jaguars at Chargers, Falcons at Raiders, Colts at Broncos, the Packers at the Vikings, and the Eagles at the Bears. Monday night game, Eagles at Bears. That that does not seem like an exciting game to me. I, I, don't, I think they should change that, but they're not going to. <laughs> Can we flex the Monday night game? Yeah. Uh, Eagles at Bears. Uh, I might take a rain check on that game. I would rather watch Jaguars at Chargers. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would rather watch the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. Yeah, that, I think that I, much I could say. I think you might be a Cardinals fan. The Cardinals or the Packers. Well, I like the Cardinals a lot, but I did just watch their series on Amazon. Yeah, well, I think next year they're going to have a series on every one of the uh, of the uh, thirty-two teams. I don't know that I have enough time. No, I'm just to kidding. watch all that. They could I'll never. Try. That would that would cost so much money. So one of the things <laughs> I like about the schedule this week coming up is that there's five games at four o'clock, which means that that second slate on the red zone is still going to be packed with stuff. Sure, and that's awesome because they had nine games early on. Uh, and it's like, why don't you just push one or two of those back so that you can have things a little bit more spread out? Uh, so this time it looks like, what, seven, three, six, eight games early, but five games in that afternoon slot. I like it. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. Um, and uh, take some of the things we said into practice uh, for mostly uh, for most of you tonight and tomorrow is going to end up being the uh, waiver wire time for your leagues. So look into it carefully, uh, make good decisions, and and don't just dump people because they had a bad week. That's the most important thing to do. Uh, it's it's obviously people are going to turn it around at some point unless they're named C.J. Spiller or RG three <laughs> and they're cut or on the IR or Keenan Allen. Those yeah. guys are not going to turn it around anytime soon. Not so. anytime soon. Um, so so look out for those good deals. Uh, continue to ask us questions if if you have any, and you can. Email us here at jason at drink5.com or dave at drink5.com. And, uh, and that's, that's all I got, man. All right. Well, cheers, Dave. Drink five, buddy. Small change in this now.
flashback blazers ate all your razors while pulling the waders talking about Monroe walking on Snow White New York's a go-go and everything tastes like poor little 